Hello, I'm Kevin, and I'm an indigenous Mexican domestic servant. And I'm Michael. I am an uncircumcised male who will threaten you and your unborn child with violence. And welcome to our podcast, where we talk about movies. We're doing a little bit of a watch-along thing here, where we encourage you to watch these movies and join us for some interpretation and thoughts and historical context. So, please, if you have not yet seen Roma, we definitely invite you to watch that wonderful film. So let's let's I guess start by getting into do like the chronology of the movie like a bit of a synopsis just so we're like kind of on the same page and what we're talking about. Um, first, I just want to say generally about the movie, spectacular movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, black and white always will win my heart over. I'm a sucker for black and white. Yeah, I just feel like it has a, like a, like a lot of emotional depth. You know, like it takes out an element of the film but really then like highlights all the others right when you don't have color suddenly it's so much more about contrast and people's faces yeah. and the form more, yeah more than anything else and so that was that was stellar to see in this film and very very masterfully done and i just feel like it, it really adds like a very dramatic effect you know like it really emphasizes that this is you know a drama or so to speak yeah like it's clear from the get-go like this yeah. is gonna be you know this is the tone this wouldn't be like a comedy or an action movie you know, this is a little bit more, like, regal in a sense. Yeah, exactly. So the film starts on a, uh, a close-up of the garage floor. And this is a space that we'll be in, in and out of throughout the film. Yeah. But you are eased into it with a lot of diegetics of the water being washed over before you even see it. Yeah. So, so the, the, the starting action that you see is our protagonist, uh, Cleo. Uh, she's a domestic servant in, and I use the word servant kind of Lucy. liberally. Yeah, yeah. Um, she she's a like a live-in maid. There we go. Uh, but she's also like a caretaker for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of does. I I imagine more than her pay suggests. Oh, probably. Yeah, you know, um, she's doing a lot. She is doing a lot. Uh, and so we we enter with her cleaning dog shit off yeah. the the. No, I'm using off the garage. yeah off the garage. I use dog shit because that's how it's referred to, um, uh, off the garage floor mm-hmm. uh, because they have a dog in their home, which it is in the Colonial Colonial Roma neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Hence the name of the film, yes. Colonial Roma, where Alfonso Coron uh, Coron, where Alfonso Coron grew up. This is inspired by his neighborhood, his childhood neighborhood. Yes, so this is 1970, 1971, mm-hmm. right uh, on the cusp. Mexico, Mexico City, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of takes place in the backdrop of the Mexican Dirty War, which we'll get into later. Um, but for the most part, we follow Cleo. Um, within this this family, I do. You, what's the name of the family? Like their last name? Oh, I'm not sure. Do you have? I don't. I don't have it written down. It doesn't but. really matter. So yes, we follow Cleo as she works for this family, as she lives with them, as their family dynamic sort of d- dissolves. Um, there's drama with, between you know the mother and the father. We are introduced to kind of a marriage in the middle of its falling apart. There are four children in the household, so we see their reaction to the marriage. We see them interacting with Cleo the most. Um, Cleo and the youngest is probably the most interaction we see in terms of, like, Cleo and the family. Um, But she also gets, like, berated by the mother at times. And her position as a live-in maid is definitely... 
you don't really forget that she's working for the family, even though you have some of images where, like, the family definitely treats her as though she's part of the family. At the same time, they're also treating her like she's a maid. Yeah, it's like a very distant relationship. We're mm-hmm. like, we, well, we want you in our home. We want you to take care of our children. We want you to, to you know, take care of our house. But you're not really part of this domestic, like, settlement. Like, you're you're not part of the family you're kind of on the outside looking in but we definitely want you at arm's reach right right like you are part of this household maybe Mm -hmm. and so we grapple with that throughout the film so starting with her cleaning the dog shit definitely shows us like she is she is a service worker yeah and she she has she's fulfilling her function for this family so from that image in the garage we kind of dive right into their dynamic um we see her taking care of the children yes Uh, Um, everything from from dressing them waking them up in the morning and dressing them to like kissing them as they go to bed like she's heavily involved in a very maternal way with not only the children but the family in general Mm -hmm. i mean uh i think a nice little beat that i like to see is how often she's cleaning up dog shit off the garage floor because nobody's walking in that dog yeah, nobody is. Shout out really quick. That dog is the main character. Yeah, I think it his is, name yes. was Borrow. Yeah. He's the first named character we see. Yeah, so like definitely like heavily involved in the intricate nuance of this plot. Like you'll find out. Um, but, you know, she she's kind of taking care of this family that is not really put together very well. Like she's walking the dog, or she's cleaning up after the dog that's never walked. Mm-hmm. And this mission me might, like, I don't know. If- like maybe it is, but we never see yeah. the dog getting walked. Uh, uh, and she's, she's taking care of all these children while the father's never to be seen. Never. Um, and the mother is... Also out. Yeah, she's, also she's very busy. For the most part, it's an empty house mess everywhere and Cleo tending to it constantly so once we see her going through the house moving we get a scene she is not the only living maid there is another living maid whose name is escaping me but uh, Cleo and the other maid their relationship is very lovely I actually super love it so we see them go through their day they end together in their little own quarters. They do some stretches, and there's a lot of giggling and laughing and solidarity, and that's all fantastic to see. Yes. And uh, they, they speak Miztec, because I think it's, it's relevant to, to at least the, the context of the, uh, the characters, that Cleo is, is of the indigenous population of Mexico, whereas this family kind of j- isn't. Uh, they're, they're kind of, they come from like a wealthy background, and you can see when they later in the movie visit like their friends, they're in an hacienda, uh, haciendo, uh, one of the two, and it's you know they kind of come from like the like the wealthy Spanish background of Mexico, whereas that's kind of a contrast with Cleo's. Her her roots kind of lay in the countryside of Mexico, and she's kind of moved to Mexico City for work. Right. They have a mention where um, it's Cleo and either the other maid or just another maid that we get introduced to because we're following these wealthy families. They have a lot of living maids with them where they talk about their village and they're like, oh, yes, we see like uh, like a herd of goats past them. And they're like, this reminds me of my village, like where I came from. So that discrepancy is definitely, I think, subtly emphasized, but definitely emphasized. Um, So we leave that scene. We now have Cleo and the other living maid running through a beautiful tracking shot through the city. They meet Fermin and his cousin, who are reoccurring characters. Uh, Ramon, I believe. Ramon, yes, yes. thank you, for a movie date. Um, and they're very poor. And that's established pretty quickly with Fermin um, as they go to pick up the two girls. When everyone has their back turned and leaving the restaurant, he quickly runs over to um, Cleo's leftovers and chugs the remaining of her, of her Coca-Cola. And so that's kind of established that they are incredibly poor and 
that's just I think a, a pretty great detail because you you're immediately like sympathize with uh, Ramin. Yeah. Um, Ramin, you combine them. Fermin. 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 <laughs> um, you sympathize with him, and it kind of just gives him some context as before. So they go to this movie date. Yes, they are. They are on their way to the movie date. Ramon and the other living mate go in. We have a little aside with Fermin and Cleo, where Fermin is like, you know, it's so nice. Like, why should we be in a movie? <laughs> yeah. Hard cut to post sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which let's dive into this scene. This a is a great bit. scene. This is amazing. So. Um, we go from the crowded streets of Mexico City to, I'm pretty sure, like, just a naked butt shot of Fermin, like, immediately. Is it his butt, or is it full frontal? Oh, no, no, it's, it's side, it's side. Yeah, it? and he's getting the, mm-hmm. the, um, he's, bar from the shower. Yes, he's lifting a bar from the, sh- uh, the shower, we have no idea yet why. Um, <laughs> but, whoa, once he turns to you and you see the full fleshy, all of it. We're talking full frontal Full frontal nudity. nudity. Straight out of the gate. Un-American. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, in, you know, following this very, following the sex scene, which, you know, has connotations of, like, sensitivity and vulnerability, we have Fermin display his bow staff skills. Yeah. <laughs> very aggressive, very violent, you know, yelling, shouting, doing crazy, honestly, really, really cool. Very, very coordinated and executed very, very well. Yeah. Yes, very, very, like, well done aggressive like masculine dominating display and cleo is underneath the covers <laughs> just like watching along watching. i saw her face i saw it as like trying not to laugh yeah almost. definitely because this is just so absurd like it is he just like busted in her <laughs> like he came inside of her vagina and then was like check out my staff yeah and is proceeding to like whip out kendo i guess sick moves. yeah sick sick moves so that was the juxtaposition there between like this union of these two people like this very sensitive sensuous and then to go into like (laughs) and so from from after he's done and does his little bow he then sits on the edge of the bed and explains how significant martial arts is to him because he talks about like growing up very poor and he he kind of had like a very tumultuous upbringing and martial arts was a, a way for him to escape into as a means of like finding a purpose finding an identity discipline yeah like, taught him discipline that yeah. very much like gave him yeah direction goals orientation purpose. he said he felt a wash yeah just lost and like he didn't even yeah and and i think the the blocking in the scene is pretty incredible because he goes from like this full frontal i'm vulnerable but i'm like in charge and domineering to, to sitting at the foot of the bed away from Cleo, kind of hunched over with his back facing the camera. Because mm-hmm. he's now being vulnerable in a way that is is not maybe attached to violence. Or there's no real defense mechanism for it. So he, mm-hmm. he is being genuinely vulnerable. And he goes over to Cleo and starts kissing her hand. And you get this, it's kind of a beautiful moment where there is this sense of vulnerability being brought up by him. That is unlike something you would see from him typically in any other context. Right, like this display that he's given her, you know, that even though it's like a very coordinated, very like masculine dominating thing, he's still sharing it with her yeah. in a very intimate and vulnerable environment. I'm interested in what you were saying when he turns his back because I saw that once he is sitting at the foot of the bed outside of her arm's reach talking about martial arts and implicitly like how violence has helped shape his life. I saw that as more of like kind of a turning away, like a closing off a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, where it's just like... From the full frontal nudity, from like, this is me, like, this is who I am, we've seen each other. Now, he turns 
part of his back is in shadow. He's not looking at Claire anymore. He's looking away. He's looking outside. Yeah. And I think that is almost kind of a foreshadow of, of him leaving her. Just yeah, look, he's like, closed off. It, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And especially if you if you consider that this sex scene might have been the reason she became pregnant, then you I have, think it is. I think it is too. Yeah. Then you have that further juxtaposition where he has he has you know helped create this child, and yet he is now away from Claire. He's now yeah. pointed towards the bathroom where he got his staff. He's oriented yet again towards Kung Fu and towards his bow staff. Yeah. The the scene with Fermin being introduced for the first time. We then meet the father for the first time. The father of the family that Cleo is taking care of. Um, he drives a Ford Galaxy, American, big, bold, and they're trying to park in the, his tiny garage, so or at least too, comparatively to the giant too car. Too big, too big for his space. Yeah. And let me say, his introduction, I had a lot of fun with. Yes. To see all of these close-up shots, you have the elegant music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. You get a sense that this is meticulous, this is precise, you know, everything is in order, and that's exactly how he likes it. Yes. You see a very nice close-up shot with his hand like shifting gears when he has to like back up and like correct himself just to like squeeze in there and you see like a massive cigar or cigarettes yeah. and yeah just yeah I don't know it's and all there's it's all a great. very aesthetically pleasing um, wheeling over dog poop that like you really get a nice little it's like a smooth like wipe almost you know a squish <laughs> just yep right in there just um, elegantly mm-hmm. and. Uh, so this is the father's introduction. This is him coming home. Now, I think that car is a Freudian symbol. I think that car going into that garage is essentially a penis going into a vagina. Because what is a car to a man? Father, and what is the like the home to a woman? The you know, penetrating this fam- penetrating his wife. Definitely. And but it doesn't fit. Barely. It, it, it fits when he does it. We'll talk about a later scene when she tries. Yeah. But. Um, so he comes home, says, ah, who are these kids? They've grown so much, which I think is hilarious because he has not seen his kids. Um, and then like berates Cleo for the dog poop all over the, yeah. The dog poop that she cleaned this morning. earlier, But guess what? Like the dog poops all the time. All the time. And he's never taken. So of course there's going to be poop no matter what she does. And, uh, they're all around the TV at one point. Yes. And, uh, they're all watching, you know, late night or something. Some, 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 some some program. program. And um, Kaleo sits down briefly to watch it with them. The and youngest the son, puts his arm. Yeah, yes. puts his arm around Kaleo. And eventually the father is like, hey, can you get us some, some drinks? Some tea. Yeah, yeah some whatever. drinks or something and like sends her away. And he's like, no, like Kaleo's sitting watching TV with us. You know, again, hitting yeah. on that tension. But, and she, then, but she, I think she just leaves on her own accord. Well, the, mo- the mom is like, she, she'll come back and watch TV with us yeah. like, after the tea. Yeah. You know, after her like job, after her duty to the family. Yeah. And so eventually uh, the father has to leave again. And the mother's pretty distraught. He has to go to Quebec. Yeah. Quote unquote, he's going to a conference in Quebec. Wink. No idea how actual actual any of it was. He, I don't think he ever went to Quebec. I don't think so either. But yeah. we get this really heart wrenching scene where he is putting his stuff away and he's turned away from her, about to get in the car, and she comes up behind him and squeezes him and has yeah. this very like you can see in her face that 
she does like it, it seems like she's letting him go and she just wants to hold on like she's yeah. trying so hard to make this work because he's gone for so often exactly yeah and he's just staring off he's completely yeah he's distant. not present he does not reciprocate any of this no. you don't see any emotion from him you don't see any attachment to his wife at all mm-hmm. and i think that's further symbolized when he gets in his car he drives off there's a procession there's two lines of like this army like trumpeteering yeah just like kind of like a mini march through the streets yeah and as he leaves and slowly pulls out in his it's in a smaller car now because he's leaving yeah it's, it's not it's the galaxy not, it's not the galaxy so look at them they have two cars you know yeah he leaves he parts the line between these two men the trumpeteers have to like kind of like part and he like eases through them he goes through the entire procession exactly he separates them yeah and then he's gone and the mom upset berates cleo for some reason immediately immediately says something storms off yeah she's upset obviously yeah so yeah we just we see we see so much of their marriage deteriorating just already in that scene and how much pressure is put on the mo- mother and how much of that pressure she then kind of like shifts and deflects onto cleo yeah and you know she kind of like takes out her frustration on cleo really really definitely unreasonably um but you know, you can—it's it's just kind of like that emotional strain that they're all being put through because he has to leave to Quebec, right? Like, and we'll touch on that again more. But I wanted to go back a little bit to just the beginning of this scene as the dad gets out of the Ford Galaxy for the first time, because this is a trend I saw through the whole movie, and I was really interested in this. Where the main action, kind of like the whole family, like all the kids come out. We have what Kevin said here with like, you know, how I haven't seen you in so long. Da 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 da. They all go into the house. And, you know, in maybe a more traditional film, we might follow them since they're their family and they're kind of the main inhabitants of this house. But instead, we stay in the garage with Cleo. And I believe the other maid is there. But we stay there in these places that are usually left immediately and usually not really thought of. So it's just interesting how often, like, we stay in kind of like an emptied out scene where most of the other people have gone and left on and continued on with their lives. But we get to see, um, we get to see, like, what's left behind. Those who are left behind, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I believe the, the second movie is next. The second... Oh, yeah, where they actually go into the movie theater? Yeah, where they're in the movie. Yeah, so we're back with Fermin and Cleo watching... Watching... Can you say this in French? La Grande... V- vaudeville? Is that what that says? Oh, that's an R, sorry. Vad... That re- I don't I don't speak French. I don't know. Well, <laughs> they, they go in, see another movie. In uh, the UK, it was released as like, don't look... Now they're shooting us or something like that. It's a yeah. comedy. It's a World War II comedy um, speaking to these kind of fresh wounds of, of the war, but poking fun at them with comedy. Yeah. So for me and Claire are watching this movie, it is near the end. Uh, the way that I approach the significance of this movie is that it's very comedic. It comes in a happy ending. All the characters are put in very perilous situations, but everything works out in the end. Yeah. And they glide off in an airplane to their picturesque very like perfect lives as this is happening on the screen cleo tells Fermin that she is pregnant and he suddenly has to go to the bathroom and takes a swift and clean exit from her life and never comes back never comes back from his own will never he has he's gone he has turned away from her completely now um does not want anything to do with her vanished yeah so juxtapose that with the comedic fun light-hearted happy ending of what's in, happening in the screen. movies exactly I mean, there's, and, a, there's a particular moment like when he leaves where there's just like a plane screeching and like a downward like dive yes and i i totally just saw that as like that is their relationship it really is plummeting. like you feel that when that plane is plummeting and you're watching cleo by yourself and you really sit with that time where he's not coming back right and she's looking back she's looking back at you at the camera just waiting just trying to see where Fermin went yeah and yeah that that is their just complete like 
no hope in that relationship anymore. No. It is the plane. It's not the plane that, you know, saved itself off the happy ending. It's no. the plane that implicitly crashed. From the movie theater, we go to the scene where the dad is now had to stay in Quebec for longer or something yeah. like his absence is being more felt. The mother brings all of her children to write letters to the father as kind of like an activity. Yeah. The kids are in the rain playing. Cleo calls them in because... She... Well, the kids are in the hail playing. The hail, yes. That is important. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we we find ourselves back in the house. Uh, it's hailing and the kids are playing. And I always feel like every time the kids are involved, you know, it, it's supposed to be some symbolic of some sort of innocence that, you know... Innocence in action. We're like, this hail clearly has a different emotional significance to us as the viewer and, like, Cleo, for instance, and the mother. And all these characters are going through, like, this hard turmoil. But the kids are having fun through it all. Right. They're, like, stomping around. They're yeah. having a time. They have their rain jackets on. And so, you know, there's kind of this, like, you know, despite all this emotional turmoil that we're going through, we still have to provide for these children who are ignorant to it all and we want to maintain it like so. Right. Like, they, we don't want to mess up their lives just because, like, our lives are so messed up. The yeah. We being, like, the adults in the film. Yes. Um, so, Cleo uh, gets, gets a, a moment with the mother. Mm-hmm. And she tells her that she's pregnant and Fermina's left. Oh my gosh. So she's alone. And her, let me just give a shout out to the actress's performance here because yes. her, her voice is just so frail. It is. Like you can see, like she has been, she's just been through it. Yeah. Like she's in such a delicate place. She thinks she's about to be fired. She thinks yeah. she's going to lose her job, lose her lover, have to like figure out this pregnancy completely isolated by herself. Yeah. And. We have a pretty nice moment where the mother, we actually see, you know, she embraces Cleo. Yeah, no, she completely, completely, you know, there's no anger that she, in contrast to, like, the anger she would take out on Cleo earlier, she absolutely embraces her in this moment mm-hmm. and, and you know, supports her. Right, like, no, you're not going to be fired. We're going to figure this out. Like, hug, hugging, like, oh, uh, I think she says, like, pobrecito. She's like, no, it's okay, it's yeah. okay. Like, this, you are not in any, like peril or danger because no. of your pregnancy like you are still you're still our maid you're still valued you're still kind of part of our family yes so from there i believe we start just ramping into her pregnancy a little bit and uh preparing for that i think the, oh i think the the next scene might be getting her tested Yes, yes. You go to the oh. hospital. Oh my gosh, where the mother drives the Ford and for like the first time swipes it in between two cars at an intersection. That got me. Yeah, that was excellent. When she's sliding in and you just hear scraping metal and she doesn't stop. No, like, she like tries to get through it. <laughs> and the two the two drivers yeah. who she has now sandwiched herself between come out and are like, What like the what happened? Hell? <laughs> what is this? What is this? So, you know, the um they get to the hospital. Everyone's smoking. God, <laughs> this is 1970s, like yes. whatever. Um, and uh, the father is there, I believe. Of uh, in the hospital? No, but she's talking about the father. The father is in the hospital later, but not when the mother is there. Because the mother yes. talks to the female doctor who's going to go see Claire, and then she's off to the side talking to one of the other male doctors yeah. about the father. So we yes. get Cleo and the female doctor go off. They do the examination. Cleo is mostly silent throughout this examination. She doesn't really have... She mostly responds in nods. Yeah. Like, she never really vocalizes. Yeah. So that's interesting to me because that's kind of like... It felt like sex was so shamed. Or, like, at yeah. least, like, you didn't want to talk explicitly about your pregnancy. Yeah. The doctor had to kind of, like, pull a lot the of... The answers out of her, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we have Cleo in the room... Before we leave the hospital, we get the mother talking with the male doctor. And I think it's either here she says that 
he's been away for long and hasn't sent a cent. Yeah. To show that they are now yes. in like financial peril as they well. They are now being abandoned by their father. Yes, like he is not contributing to this household at all anymore. He yeah. is gone now, out of the picture. And you know, the mother, she works, but she is not. You know, it was their combined income yeah. that sustained them, and now like although have, definitely, like, I think the father more he, so. Yes, like she she did not have as prestigious or as. Uh, she didn't have as much income as it. Yeah, it wasn't as well paid. Yeah, so, yes. And then we go back to the house. We announced that they were going to her cousins for, for Christmas. New, for Christmas and New Year's, I Christmas believe. and New Year's, yeah. So there's going to be an extended stay in the country. Uh, not in the country, but... Yeah, in the country. In the country, yeah. But, like, not the country that Cleo came from. No. <laughs> they go to, like, an haciendo. It, yes, which like is, you said. Which is developed by the Spanish initially in their uh, colonial efforts in Mexico. And are basically there as, like, very expensive villas... That are essentially just like points of developing wealth, you know, extracting wealth out of like the countryside of Mexico, um, and they also just offer themselves as like palaces, almost like they're very right. nice mansions. Right. This is like a retreat for rich folk. Yeah. To it go is. like frolic in the countryside, like yeah. very pastoral, very like ah oh, ha ha ha. We get to see this now. So we we go and we find ourselves in this in this villa, and Cleo meets up with some of uh, the other like maids mm-hmm. that she's like some known of the and more past. some of the like like country maids kind of like yeah. there's this they there's a there's a bit of a divide between like country maid and city maid or yes. city maid where um you know obviously with there's a whole bunch of families that come in this is like many 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 people yeah so as as they bring themselves they bring all of their maids yeah. as well so there's there's two like big congregations yeah. of two you know very differently situated there's two peoples. parties that go on yes exactly. there is one where and if i can just make a speculation like racially you have lo- lots of very fair-skinned mexican people in one room and then when you go to like the you know downstairs the downstairs it's a very tightly packed um, you know, and you find yourself with just like a different racial component, yeah. and this is where like mis- mixed tech, mixed yeah. tech is spoken, which is a combination of is indigenous it, languages mixed? and Mexican. Mixed tech. Mixed tech. I wrote it down. Let me double check. Mixed tech. Mixed tech. Mixed. Okay. Well, um, thank you. <laughs> um, mixed tech, uh, which is you know, like I said, a combination of indigenous um, languages as well as um, Spanish. So, in this scene, Cleo's offered a drink. Yeah. Yes. So Cleo is initially upstairs with um, everyone. She's upstairs with the family. We see them getting up to the, like their white folk shit. Um, there's dogs running about, like yada yada. Yeah. Cleo, Cleo goes downstairs. Um, they have a moment where Cleo is situated not as a city maid, but as one of them. She's like accepted into this this secondary party yeah. or this other party at least. And yes, she is offered. She's very pregnant by this point. There's some time skips that's going on. Um, you can see that her stomach has gotten much yeah. bigger. And yes, yeah, she's offered a drink to salute to her baby's health. And as soon as she's going to take this drink, she's bumped from behind and her glass shatters on the floor. And we get a prolonged shot of just looking at that glass. So we see this long, prolonged shot on this broken glass. And this is really important because earlier we had a scene where as Cleo is getting checked for her pregnancy in that hospital, she is um, away from the doctor, away from the mother for a little bit, and standing alone in the incubator section of the hospital looking at all these babies. And as she's doing this, she's hearing a grandmother and um, just somebody else off to the side talking about the baby, and an earthquake strikes. Yeah. And we see like everybody freaking out, trying to save the babies. And rubble falls on one of the incubators, and like, which it, is a very scary image, very frightening, very yeah. horrific, and it's just Cleo looking at that specific incubator and this rubble on this baby, yeah. And then immediately we get cut to what looks like to us a grave, 
or like at least oh, across. Oh, there's there's a, yeah, there's graves. There's a cro- yeah, and this is them pulling into the pulling villa. into the yes, yeah, pulling into the hacienda, hacienda yeah. where they Has- yeah yeah. So we have like baby life incubation, earthquake danger peril yeah. death, and then a salute to this, this to the baby's the, health. And they drop that cup and it shatters all over the ground. So baby's health shattered on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> so there's some, there's some foreshadowing. Right, there's a lot building to, spoiler alert, you know, you've hopefully you've seen this movie. Yeah. Babies, or Cleo's baby being born, stillborn. Yeah. So we see a lot of just baby death, baby death. And it does not bode well. Like, it conveys on no. screen of, like, this is, te- like, this is like, ominous. This is scary, yeah. yeah. This is horrifying. So, um... Later, she finds herself watching the mother being hit on by just someone else at this party. And she, like, pushes them away, and it's just kind of a brief encounter. And she and Cleo, like, lock eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a fire breaks out. Yes. So as she looks over into the countryside, the woods, first, gorgeous scene. So amazing. In black and white, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, you can really see, like, contrast within fire. Yeah, You can't always see with color because it's all orange. Exactly, kind of yeah. And setting it at nighttime, obviously, was such a good move to yeah. have just, like, the black night. The You know, we go from this jovial celebration. Everyone's a little wasted. Yeah. Everyone's having a good time, too. We are, like, in action mode now. Like, yeah. it is fire. We There's a massive fire on the country. A massive fire, and so too. everyone gets get, Even the kids putting out little fires. Right, and right. And everybody, like, works together to put this fire Right, on. and Cleo is tasked with, guess what, watching the kids again. Yeah. It's Cleo. Make sure the kids only do the, the small fires. Yeah. Now, I think that this whole scene is emblematic of something, but I can't quite figure it out. Yes. Yeah, so predating the scene, right, we have mentions of the government seizing lands. We have tensions between landowners and the government. Tensions kind of boiling over in Mexico with lots of protests. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a, at more depth in the later scene. But, yeah, yeah the, the fact that this forest is being burnt down, right, you have all these, like, folks who have kind of come to this land I, I hesitate to say colonize but that's kind of what it is yeah now having to like almost deal with like like saving the land almost or yeah like i mean because they they both both groups be it like the the rural workers or the property owners both have an interest in the land one is their like financial interest the other is like their home right and in a sense it's both of their homes because this is 1970 it's not like you know 1587 yes but the way they come to that home is vastly different yes of course but but it's still recognized that like the importance of this land is still definitely recognized by both sides no matter who necessarily owns it mm-hmm. um it's still at least appreciated and wanted yes um so you kind of get that sense there's a bit of a unification because there's a common threat to them both right like both at sides. this moment we are all working together to put out this fire because yeah. because we do cherish the land even if it's in vastly different ways yeah like the fire is not a political entity no it's yeah. just like a fire unless you want to like say that the government set the fire which would be like wild yeah that, I, I don't think we're there's i don't think like, there's any evidence on screen yeah, to suggest that i didn't know that's definitely nothing nothing of that was from in the movie um but interesting here too is while we're sitting in this fire scene, one man who was in a costume earlier, like yeah. terrifying the children, he steps aside. He's front and center in the in the framing. Yeah, while they're putting out the fire. Right, and we see the and he starts singing. Mm-hmm. He's just standing there doing this like very beautiful song. He's drunk, I believe. I think so too. Yeah. But that was interesting to me because we see song and work go hand in hand many, many times. One of the first moments of Claire's introduction is a song going on that she's like singing along to lightly while she goes through the house and cleaning. We see song a lot, like while they're doing the dishes at various moments yeah so it's just interesting how like the song is to me then positioned as kind of like something that's uplifting something that is enriching to the soul and something that makes the work not so bad 
so yeah. that even though we're putting out this fire and this is a very scary perilous situation we still have song to kind of like carry us through it almost definitely yeah i think it's a very good way of putting it yeah so from the fire we begin to track down for mean i believe yes so cleo makes her way to um kind of like a more rural like outside of mexico city into like a more impoverished area right this is the bus right away yeah this is the slum yeah um, used liberally yes and so she finds ramon ramon leads her to Fermin, and we find ourselves in a training ground um where Fermin and many many other people are practicing with kendo sticks um or bamboo sticks i think it's same difference really it doesn't yeah too much. They're, yeah they're, um, they're practicing their martial arts there is staff. there is a now korean instructor there but there is also a uh west point army instructor there definitely recognizable he's wearing a west point shirt like this is an american <laughs> mm-hmm. um arms forces instructor he's like a master right yes. yeah he's very he's like a very prolific figure like uh cleo joins kind of like this congregation of like women yeah. and children like watching and they like met, they're like oh wow it's him like name drop right there yeah um so we'll come back to that exact detail as it pertains to a later scene but uh professor zovek so professor zovek is uh like what are the mexican wrestlers called like a luchador, oh, luchador? Yeah. yeah so he's like a luchador he's referenced earlier on tv in the same scene where for me uh takes a sip from the coke and mm-hmm. he comes in and so he's a real person um he was on tv he was a like a bit of a pop culture figure in mexico right he's like a strong man doing like phenomenal yeah feats. like feats of strength like right. really pushing the human body um but he um died tragically in like some sort of you know uh, stunt gone wrong oh but it was his like uh uh you know programming was supported by the mexican government which is pretty corrupt and authoritative yeah. at this point in, uh, at this moment in time because it's not revolutionary it's just like so, right. it's like illusion or like whatever. right so the fact that you know their agendas are kind of aligning there's something there and there's rumors that he did speak to right-wing paramilitary groups as means of inspiration or whatever um Quaron presents us as truth as fact we see it in the movie right um and i think that could be consistent there's not a lot you can find about him because it's 1970s mexico um, doesn't really translate to the internet very well. Right, exactly. Um, but this is a real guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does a little demonstration uh, where he closes his eyes, puts one, brings one foot up, and then touches his nose, I believe? Or I think so. Or at least like puts his hands together and kind of like does this um, like tree pose looking. Yeah. Like very like... Um, the point of that is that it's secretly much, much more difficult. Yeah, it's than a it lot looks. more difficult than it looks because it's hard to keep your balance. It's hard for that. He says it requires like complete and intense mental and physical focus. Yes, um, and he does it, and he kind of gets like sneered at almost. Right. Like, everyone else do it, and nobody can Ex- except Cleo does it. Cleo easily. does it. She's standing there amongst everyone, fumbling, like yeah. catching themselves off balance, and she's just there. We see this lovely scene where she is still, she is doing that. Yeah, and so she. I think it kind of highlights, like, in the context of her culture and society, Cleo is deeply unremarkable. She is not an important person. She is not significant in the grand scheme of things. She's a maid. She's the people that get looked over. Exactly. 
But she's able to clearly do something, mind and body, that's superior, that's you know spectacular. Mm-hmm. That and although so many people can't. It's resoundingly... Unrem- it's, it's seemingly unremarkable. Right. It's secretly. But clearly all these, these trained warrior figures <laughs> cannot do it, and she can. Right. As and a he, pregnant woman. Right. And he said, he said, the uh, what's his name again? The, uh, Dr. Zovac? Yes, thank you. Dr. Zovac or said... Pro- Professor, Professor Zovac. Zovac said... Um, like a master can yeah. do this. Like you have to like be like so like you said like superior. Like you have to like have control in order to do this. And I think it definitely like you said like speaks to what Claire is capable of. Yeah. Like what she can do. And the fact that this like in this scene her purpose is to confront Fermin shows that she's able to with a sort of like admirable single mindedness throw herself at her goals. Yes. And accomplish them in a way that maybe others can't. Yeah. She perseveres. Yes, yes. Um, so after this demonstration, they all disperse, and she finds Fermin. Mm-hmm. And um, she confronts him, saying, hey, this is your child. Right. Like, what's going on with that? To which he does not respond no, well. He, he is. Here we see the aggression and the violence that we saw immediately after the sex scene, but now it is pointed directly at Cleo. He says, don't ever come with me. That is not my son, or not my child. I don't yeah. want to hear about this ever again. And if you come near me, like, I'll beat you. Yeah, I'll beat you. And then um, he, like, screams at her loudly and, like, intimidates her with his stick. Yes. And then, on his way out, calls her a fucking servant. Oh, my God, yes. Which is cruel. Like, that's brutal. That's right. so rude. Considering he himself is not in any of the superior position. No. But he has been at least empowered... By his his group, which is um, which leads to Los, Hal- Los, Los Halcones, Los Halcones. Uh, the Hawks. Right. So that's a real group. It's a right wing paramilitary group trained by like the CIA and the, like the Mexican CIA, um, basically used to attack student protesters. Right. So going on in the background of this is um, we leave the scene with Cleo. She is taken by the grandmother. Uh, by her employer's mother, mother, yeah. to go look at cribs. You know, we're preparing for the baby. Yes, and, and this all happens June tenth, the Corpus Christi massacre, um, which is a very significant event in Mexican history. It's it's 120 student protesters were killed by Los Halcones, which um, is like I said, it's it's a paramilitary group. So it's a Black ops like entity trained by uh, specifically well, it was trained by the CIA, but it was led by the Federal Security Directorate, which is um, like basically the the Mexican CIA. Mm-hmm. And um, it, this is like Cold War style. We're going to train these random groups. It's like either like hired thugs or right. um, you know former athletic. Right, like, uh, former athletes. Like this is kind of like a proxy thing. Yeah, but we're targeting you know people who. Who are capable, in a sense, like yeah. who, who are kind of like into... Yeah, so the, the events of June 10th, uh, Corpus Christi Massacre, was that student protesters were going to, to demonstrate um, uh, in a march. And yes. so the police sealed off certain roads, mm-hmm. and then uh, Los Alcones were then sent to essentially beat and attack... Protesters. protesters. So initially, they were them, using yeah. kendo sticks and bamboo sticks. Right. 
and the protesters fended them off, right? Because they're using you know, kind of, yeah, like yeah. The protesters, you know, they have signs and that's intimidating and dangerous. It but is. It's, it's not lethal weapons Until, in which they were given, yes, uh, and provided by either by the police or other government entities, right? Like they got their arms and they began just slaughtering, slaughtering, slaughtering many these protesters. And the police, who are armed to the teeth, standing by, do not interfere. They're instructed not to do. They so. do not protect the protesters. Yes. Um, so. Some context, I suppose. The the universities, the the most prominent university in Mexico, the autonomous national university in Mexico, I believe. I might be getting some of the words jumbled, but it's autonomous. Okay. And I was caught off by this. I was like, "What? What, do you, what is in like an autonomous university?" Mm-hmm. That's something I kind of take for granted in the United States. But in Mexico, a lot of the um, Universities are autonomous in the sense that they're like not controlled by the from, government. That's very interesting. Whereas the government also controls many other things, including like what's on TV, hence right. Professor Zovic. Right. Um, so you have these like groups of like crit- like student body, but like, you know, like the university is a critical institution. You have yeah. these pockets of people who don't have to quite buy into like exactly what the government's giving yeah. them. They're, it, I don't want to say like more independent thinkers, but you know, it's definitely it, not it's, as constrained. They're the only people that would be critical of the government and have some sort of empowerment to do so. Yes. So uh, the president of this time was L- Luis Echeverria. So I might have pronounced that a little, little. No, you cre- you got the R. There, little right? R. It's double yeah, R. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. I know <laughs> um, and uh, he's you know basically responsible for this this sort of like Cold War era. Right. Mexican dirty war. This kind of like insurgent, like yeah. supplying groups to pressure dissidents. Yes, and you know you you need these sort of like paramilitary groups to proxy your agenda without exactly. actually being responsible. Right. Like the government didn't go in <laughs> directly. Los Halcones right? But like so. who trained them if not West Point? Exactly. You know, like a U.S. entity. Exactly. Uh, all brought in with this stuff. So, so you have this like layer of removal, but guess like no. Yes. We know who's actually like. Funneling this. And I, and I think it speaks to kind of you know, the politics of the time, the powerlessness felt by the people. I think also mirrors someone like Cleo, for instance, who is completely, you know, ignored in the grand scheme of things. It is marginalized and is not looked after um, and is failed. Yes. It's failed, you know, by the government of Mexico, but also just the powers that be. Right. Like the, the people, the cultural ideologies are none of this is in her favor. No. She is she is pretty much tossed away. And But she is subtly quite remarkable as seen in like the Zobek scene mm-hmm. where she she is clearly like a spectacular person but it, it's she will never essentially get the opportunities to, to to prove that to make something of it because she's like a domestic live-in maid right like her work is made invisible and intentionally made invisible yeah. but yet it is i would say easily like the most crucial work in this of, family. Exactly. Of anyone in that household. Like, yeah. yes, you have, like, the, the father and the mother working to pay her yeah. and, like, make bill, like pay the bills and everything. But what who's actually making these human connections? Who's She's actually, like, the like, raising figure, them? Yeah. yeah. So all of that stuff that gets kind of, like, tucked away and not looked at is I, just as important, if not more important, than what's going on outside of the household. Yeah. So in, in this demonstration, you know, shooting begins and... We're, we're with the grandmother and Cleo, and they're buying a crib. Mm-hmm. And uh, pro, or some protesters run, run into in. the store, and they are followed by Los Alcones. Right. He comes in yelling, they're killing us. They're killing us. Yeah. Uh, just a horrific scene to yeah. be a part of. We see outside of the window, um, as like the gunshots are going off, just waves of people trying to escape yes. as they're being gunned down and not protected. Yeah. And... 
one of these protesters runs into this Crips horn is killed by uh, one of the one of these members of this right wing mm-hmm. group. And we see we have a shot of a gun, just a gun, and we pointed, hold on that gun for a beat. Hold it on that, and that's pointed at Cleo and the grandmother. They are pinned down by this violence. They're being held hostage, essentially. Exactly. And then the camera pans to and the it, right, and it's for me. It's for me. And who's who's now t- you know not only he's actively engaging in the killing of these protesters right. he is murdering people yes and he has been in that shot reduced to that violence he's reduced to that gun for those moments they say nothing they say nothing they look at each other he lags behind because they're staring at each other the group that he came in with leaves yeah. they yell back and they're like for me like let's go yeah in case you didn't it, realize that was for me <laughs> like you know like that was definitely him. so we have this moment where they they see each other again yeah and and they are seen deeply, and that 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 sight, you know, is just is is so important. And then Claire's water breaks. Yes. Yeah, so the, the yeah, her, so, the water breaks, and she's unable to get to the hospital quickly because of what's happening. Yeah, there's like, so many. There's traffic. There's murders coming, and in. streets are closed off. Exactly. So we have yet again crib with all of the students being murdered, yeah. baby, and then her baby, like the the first steps of her giving birth, and then you have like a man or under who the just back, died. Yeah, or under the backdrop of. You know, such incredible violence and powerlessness. Yes, yes, powerlessness too, specifically. Yeah. So we're in the car trying to get close to the hospital. We get to the hospital. You see, they are swamped with student protesters dying. Which, by the way, um, protesters would make their way to like a local hospital, and the Los Alcones would go there and then kill them in the hospital. Oh my god! And then like intimidate them in the the like the waiting rooms and the operation rooms. Which is brutal. Off, That's com- insane. Yeah, completely just to show you the extent of like what Las Colonas were doing during this like horrible, horrible massacre. Yeah. This absolutely t- terrible event. So, Cleo is giving birth. Right. She's rushed to kind of. She's rushed past these lines. Yeah. Of you know obviously like distressed like dire people. Yeah. On the way here, we have like a woman, uh, like hanging on to uh, her like d- like one of the dead protesters. Yeah. Just, like crying out. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely feeling, you know, we're feeling this, the impact. This is the of context in which Cleo is bringing life into this world, <laughs> right? Yeah. So she's kind of rushed to the forefront of things. Um, the grandmother is breaking down because she is, you know, bearing witness to all of this. Yeah. She is definitely like in the middle of it, and she doesn't know anything about Cleo. She doesn't know her middle name. Yeah. She doesn't know if she has insurance. She doesn't know where she comes from. Yeah. Just to show again that divide. What's your relationship to the patient? I'm, I'm her, her employer. employer. Exactly. So there's there is definitely this disconnect again yeah. between Cleo and that family. And so Cleo is whisked off. This point, let me say, the pacing here is immaculate. It's very stressful. Yes, you are you are riveted. You are so engrossed. Everything is going, 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 going. And then you get an empty shot of a hallway. And yeah. for the first time in like however many minutes, it's <laughs> like <sighs> you get like a moment of just complete like quiet. Yes, you know we can like breathe finally. And then, oh yes. And then Cleo is rushed in. Burst in. Yes. Burst through all the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, she's immediate. You just kind of watch her very promptly get set up in like this medical procedure. Right. And they're skipping so many steps. They're like, there's yeah. no time for this. Yeah. No scrubs. Can't, no scrubs. No just like get in. Yeah. Right. We need to do this now. Yeah. Right now. So, so much urgency, so much pressure, yeah. so much um, just involvement, engagement. Yeah. And unfortunately, the child is born stillborn. Yes, we we see the baby has no pulse. We we see leading up to the moment, uh, he pushes his like ear to her stomach. He doesn't hear anything. They perform CPR for like quite some time. Right. And this is 
I really liked the framing of the scene where Cleo's in the foreground, looking away from the camera, so you can't see her. Yeah. The baby is the focus of it, but it's blurred. It is yeah. out of focus and obscured, obscured by Cleo and the doctors. Yeah. So you have this like out of focus. Cleo is just, that is all her attention is focused on her baby. Yeah. And it it never it is it is stillborn. Her like placenta was falling out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, she's only distracted when someone's, like, like literally touching her placenta. Right. And she, like, barely looks down. Yeah. And then, like, immediately straight back to this out of focus. And it's a very distressing baby. moment. Because you're, you're, like, kind of witnessing, like, what you may have suspected throughout the movie. Yeah. But, like, to see it, it's it's heartbreaking. It is. It definitely is. It's very much like a trap. And then, you know, we have this, this uh, you know, little brief moment of just, like, a little salvation where she gets, would you like to hold your baby? Yeah. And, and it's like a very touching moment. It is, and she's like, "Yeah." I, I don't even know if she says yes. She like nods. Yeah. She's like, "Yeah," and she holds a baby. She gets to see it, and then like ten seconds later, if that, it's like, "All right, we have to go now." Yeah. Like, time's up. Like, we have to take your baby now. I'm sure there's, you know, this is me speculating. I'm sure there's a lot of turnover given the events of oh, the day. Oh no, yeah. of course, of course. But the fact that you know she can't even sit. Yeah, in that. She, yeah, she can't even. You know, it is like a. A matter of seconds. Exactly. We, we like, watch it from beginning to end, and a minute didn't pass. Right. And now, sorry, like, you, you, your time to mourn, your time, like, it's over. Like, yeah. we have to move on. Like, and then they wrap up her baby. You never see it. In, like, it's bundled up. Yeah. Like, no more face, no more anything. And she's, like, that's it. That's the end. Yeah. That's, that's her baby. And so, from this scene, where do we go? We go. We. I. I believe she just comes home. She's silent. She's obviously, you know, shell shocked. She can't yeah. really say anything. One of the kids, I think the oldest son, mm-hmm. is listening in on the conversation that the mother's having about their parents being divorced. And there's some like turmoil amongst the kids. They're like racing cars. Right. I think that happens. That happens after. I thought. Or. No, because because the movie kind of almost ends at that point because the kids are fighting because like the, the oldest one's upset. Right. And this is when he throws the baseball. Yeah, the window, which is and it breaks the window of the Ford Galaxy. Right. Oh, it does of yeah. The it, goes, it goes through the window and then it sh- hits the car and breaks the window. Oh. It goes through the oh, window of the I house. I thought it only broke the win- house of the win- window. No, it definitely hits the wow. car. And, like, shatters the windshield. Yeah. So this is where we have a cool juxtaposition between that innocence of play that was happening earlier, where yeah. the kids, you know, kids are being kids, like they're having fun, to now they're like inflicting violence on each other because the tensions of the household have become so insufferable. Yeah. Especially because the oldest kid kind of knows about the affair at this point. Because mm-hmm. they, they walk past the movie theater. He sees yeah. he sees with his friend, his father, his cheating father, on his mother. He like, has like, that evidence. Yeah, he's like with his mistress or not, whatever. Not to mention, too. And not in Quebec. Not in Quebec. And this was earlier, I think. But he is listening in to the mother having a phone conversation. Yeah. And then she hangs up, comes out, and slaps him. Yeah. And then immediately hugs him and is like, I'm so, so, so sorry. Like, don't tell anyone else. And Cleo like, saw it all. Yeah. And which the mother yells at Cleo. Yeah, though. like, don't you have, like anything to clean basically yeah. and it's like oh like the, there's a lot happening here basically the, the the failure of the marriage is kind of really taken out on cleo for the most part right and we and see the, the kids effects. suffer through it because it's just such a like a no, absolutely like their moment. parents yeah. are you know their their family is like falling apart and they're like bearing witness to it but only barely because everyone's yeah. trying to keep it wraps and so you know eventually it's proposed that they go on vacation right this is like beach. a yeah, what it really is is they're leaving the house so that the father can come and collect his belongings and really like solidify his departure. Yeah, but she's framing it as like vacation, like fun, like yeah. things have been stressful, time to get away. Yeah, and that is when they invite Cleo, who has just had her stillborn baby. She says to, to kind of pick up her spirits. About right, it. right. She says no. The other maid encourages her. She says no. And it's like you're not going to work on this trip. You're just literally right. Gonna, like, the young son encourages her, and I mm-hmm. think that's the point when she says yes. Yeah, because you know they are. 
Whew, sorry to blast back to the very like beginning of the movie, but remember when they're playing, uh, and then on the rooftop, and then the young son is like, "I'm dead," and, and, then, like, and she says, "Like I like being dead." Right, right. Like she lays down. She's like, "It's fun being dead." Yeah. yeah. So that interesting dynamics. Yeah, know? they're definitely the closest of anyone. But yes, yeah, so Claire, Claire agrees. She's like, "Yes, I will go on this trip." Yeah. Um, you know, just to like get out of stuff. Yeah, and um, while they're on this trip, they stop by the beach. Right, they they go to the beach first because the kids beach, but beach, it's only beach, for like a moment. Playa, playa. Yes, that's not when. That's this is just a this is a brief beach encounter, and then they go to a restaurant. Yeah, they go there, and the mother tells them. Right? right, this is an important scene. This is when the mother is like, "So your father's leaving us." Ha-ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're all gonna. It's gonna be an adventure. It's an adventure. You and, yeah. us. and one of the kids, it's not the oldest. It's the middle. It's like the middle mid, boy. Yeah, he's just crying. Yeah, he he's, just cries. He just starts crying. He's crying throughout this entire scene. Yeah. Um, and I love this scene to death because as everyone is like sitting in this awful news, like yeah. everything's dire, the waitress comes <laughs> and the server comes in and is like, all right, everyone have fun. Start listening to like the dessert what, options. Yeah, what would you like for dessert? We have banana ice cream, vanilla ice cream. And this, like he's crying. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> still crying. And like all the kids are like distraught and she's like reaching across the table trying, trying to like, to, like comfort, comfort each one. Yeah. yeah, and it's just disastrous. Hard cut to them eating ice ice cream and there's like a wedding going on in the background. (laughs) Their family is freshly disintegrated and it's like, hey, wedding, wedding, wedding. But they're all like really sadly eating ice cream. Silent, like like distraught, like not even looking at each other. And I mean we're laughing, but this is like a sad scene. No, this is tried like again expert juxtaposition the way that we have these scenes, background, foreground, discrepancies, like jumping from one to another. Expertly, expertly done. It's phenomenal work. And we're only laughing. I There's think, like a mariachi band. No, exactly. Because, because the absurdity of it that yeah. does not feel absurd at all in the scene, no. which again speaks to witchcraft, is just, it's spot on. Like this whole family, they're, like the marriage, like the unity of the entire family is disintegrated. <laughs> and then there's a new marriage starting <laughs> like in the background. Everyone's happy about exactly. it. Exactly. So excellent stuff. From there, we go back to the beach. The beach, yes. An, uh, an extended stay this time. Yeah, so the, the mother, everyone's at the beach. The mother has to like leave She has briefly. to take care of the tires of the yeah. car. There's some business. Yeah, and um, so she says to the kids... Like, don't go, don't go swimming. Yeah, do not, yeah you, you can be like... Well, they, they in protest the water. that, yeah, they're like, no, we're gonna, like, we want to swim so bad. She's like, uh, well, don't go okay, deep. fine, don't, yeah. yeah like, Remember, Cleo can't to... swim. Yeah, exactly. And the actress who portrays Cleo also couldn't swim. Which is terrifying. Which is, like, good on her for that scene. That's scary. Yeah. Um. And so she leaves, and two of the kids go into the water mm-hmm. as Cleo walks one of the kids back um, to get right, like, dried the youngest, off or whatever. The youngest is... Uh, they have the moment. The youngest remembers his past lives is, is kind of a thing yeah, that we've I, seen a few gosh, times. Gosh, I could spend 30 minutes just talking about that. Yeah, that that's so interesting. Like, yeah. that We're mentioning this aside just because it's so cool. But yeah. yeah so um, she's off, like, yeah. deep in the beach now. She looks. The kids seem to be too far off. She's yelling at them, like, stay close, stay close. Yeah. And then starts, like, running. Or not run, but, like, she, you know. Like, she hustles. Hurrying, yeah. yeah. To, because clearly now the kids have gone too far. Yeah. And you don't really get this sense because there's no, like, music. Oh. And there's no, it's really just like the, the you hear waves. The digest of the waves again. Yeah. And so you, you get the sense of urgency, but it's not really, it's built up organically. Yes, like the suspense in that and the direness of it sets in the deeper and deeper she goes slowly yeah. as she is like pushing against like the ocean. These I remember like seeing waves. this for the first time and being like, are these kids like drowning right now? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. they are. Yeah, like, it's so scary. Yeah, there's a very, because the, the camera follows... Cleo. Cleo the whole time yeah. so you don't really see 
like the kids in every barrel or anything until she gets like closer to them and he and she herself then, cannot swim yeah she like the waves are like over her head at this yeah. point and she's it's, getting hit by them and, like pushed back right and you you see like glimpses of the kids at first like you yeah. see like the like, like barely top of come it. out yeah. you know and then it's like oh wow like like these kids are drowning yeah. and I, there's no giant horns to tell me that I no. should be distressed you're just like witnessing a drowning you're just you're feeling the immense power of the ocean yeah. in that moment like immediately like you're just like the you're volume of it, it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you are like whoa, like you're in in the depths of the waves. Yeah. So Cleo pulls them out, you know, yes, and through, through struggle, much struggle. Yeah, and she gets them back to 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 the beach, to the beach, and like the mother comes ground. back. Right, and they're all collapsed at this point. Like they're all in. The mother zooms in with the younger son. They're yeah. all in a big embrace now. Um, and Cleo starts to cry. Yes, it's very emotional. Like the kids are like the kids are also sobbing along with yeah. her. Like the mother is, I, her, you know, her nerves must be insane. Yeah. And it is in this crux, in this embrace, in this like unification of this now yeah. family. Cleo says that she did not want her child to be born. Yes, I don't. I did not want my child to be born in this world. Yes, something like that. Yes, which is awful to hear. Whoa. Yeah. yeah like that's... that. That sounds like terrible. Right. Um, but I think as we've seen this through this whole movie. Kind of understandable. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, there's, there's like, very limited political freedoms mm-hmm. uh, that are, like, actively being suppressed by the Cleo's government. Cleo's positionality isn't exactly the most conducive to you know, now raising a child. Her race, her gender, mm-hmm. her, like, social her, class her, yeah, her, are all working against her in very significant ways. Yes. So, heartbreaking to hear definitely to to hear her come to that truth yeah and be able to verbalize it finally that no she did not want this child yeah and to do so now in the embrace of the people who love like right after she says that i'm pretty sure they're all saying like we love you cleo like like she we see this very beautiful display of family yeah and it feels like at this point at this crux like she she kind of passes that boundary between like like she's been straddling this like i'm your employee i'm your family at this point she really does seem like she's part of the family yeah she really does seem like yes she is like she is like their maid she does like take care of them but she takes care of them as a position of as a family member now instead of just like some employee yeah especially because now like there's no more father right so there's no one to come home be like there's dog shit all over the ground right um you know she's she's unified and i think this scene also kind of embodies like the power of Cleo, like the the endless selflessness that she constantly is giving, not only to this family but just to others. Right. There was no hesitation on her part to go into an environment no. where she she herself could easily have died. Yeah. There was that single minded focusness of body and mind that we saw in the earlier scene mm-hmm. when she does the pose. Now we see that in action, saving these lives. Yeah. Preventing them from preventing this family from falling apart further. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, they kind of head back to the house, and mm-hmm. you just kind of get some declining action. Right, like they're all silent in the car. Yeah. Everyone has been through it on this vacation. They're all tired. <laughs> they're all exhausted. The Ford Galaxy, I'm pretty sure, is gone. Uh, or it it's, it's about to be. It got fi- yeah, they, they, they took it on they the trip she sold last it. time. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and then yeah. she got a new car. And then she got a new car, which is smaller, which fits in the garage. It does fit in the garage now, yeah. So they pull into the street side of their house. We see the exact same army trumpets that we saw when the father left. We see those two lines, but they are not parted by the car. No. They are together yeah. as the family is now together coming back to their home. And we just get a sense. I, it felt very optimistic to me. We get a sense yeah. that things are very different now. The kids hate the fact that there aren't any bookcases now. Yeah, but, but they all get like their own room or something. Right, like the rooms all swap around. There's this big sense of renewal. 
Yeah. Um, and then we basically end when the two maids reconnect. She says, you have to tell me everything. Claire was like, I have so much to tell you. I'll tell you later. And that's like a, yeah. also a common thing about them. Right. We see this a lot where it's like, oh, I'll tell you later. Like, I have so much to tell you. They they share their lives. They share their information. Yeah. And it might not be immediate, but they definitely like always promise to mm-hmm. like tell each other what's going on. Yeah. So, and then we, they go to their... Not slave quarters. They're, they're <laughs> they like servants' their, quarters. Yeah, like, I don't know. They go to their offset like section of the house. Yeah. We get this lovely like shot into the sky, and we see what we saw at the very beginning of this movie, which was a plane overhead, to emphasize that this is an overlooked. Yes, this is an overlooked area, area an over like, overlooked lives within a you know marginalized within a bigger system. Exactly, like this isn't somewhere that people are really thinking about, and that's why Alfonso wants to shine this light now and show yeah. us these stories that you know maybe haven't been told or haven't been thought about. These are like the unsung heroes of you know it's like the workers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it felt very uplifting to see you know and and have like such a fleshed out three dimensional life of what so often gets just condensed into work or like yeah you know like invis- made invisible mm-hmm. so i mean i i would say the main takeaways from roma i think this movie is spectacular i had so much fun with this movie yes i i, I think it is required reading it's 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 like some it's a movie that i would say like you kind of need to see you know, if yeah. you want to see a contemporary movie, a contemporary drama, mm-hmm. this is the best one. This absolutely, it's on Netflix, pretty accessible, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's just masterfully, the storytelling is immaculate. I believe it won Best Picture. I think so, too. It, I don't it, know. At the very least, won, like, Best. It, it has it has its share of accolades, well-earned, well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso, he just, the way he tells the story, the pacing, the tension... Everything he thinks to include, all of the backdrop that then comes in and has such significance is done in a way where, it, you know, you never even like almost notice it. Like, it's just, this is their lives. This is their reality. And we are taking a peek into it. It's, it never feels forced. It never feels artificial. It's just such a genuine, rich story. Yes. Um, and in terms of accolades that don't mean anything... Uh, one best foreign language film of the year. That's an Oscar. Yes. Best achievement in directing. That's another Oscar. Best achievement in cinematography. That's another Oscar. Yes. And it was nominated for best picture. The shots were incredible. I'm such a sucker for black and white photography. When this movie started, I thought it was going to pan up and turn into color as kind of like, we've seen this in films before. And when it didn't, I was beyond the moon. Yeah, I was like, so happy. You're in black. I think black and white suits this film very well. I think I think absolutely it does. Yeah. Just every part of it, I think. I don't think it could have been done in color. I don't think it would have been it would have. I don't, been it I don't think it would have been as like emotionally powerful. powerful yeah. yeah. So phenomenal stuff like we can't praise this movie enough if you haven't i mean i guess now it's too late to say go watch roma well we if you don't care the about spoilers movie. you know now yeah. you can if you want to piece it together for yourself right enjoy like, it for you get your own take like, yeah please if you have not already please it's watch roma yeah. everyone knows someone who has who a Netflix account. <laughs> you can steal <laughs> yeah. somebody's username and password <laughs> so yes um any any final thoughts at all that you want to touch upon Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. This is our podcast. We will be doing this kind of format with just a wide variety of international films. Yes. Uh, please, again, we encourage you to watch the film before you listen, but it's your life. Don't let me tell you what to do. Yes, and uh, we will be doing a weekly show where we talk about something. So every week you can follow along, uh, watch a new movie, something you haven't seen before, mm-hmm. something you have seen before, and maybe just want a new light. Right, like, uh, hey, some themes, some interpretation. You know, if you've seen a movie, uh, if you've seen some 
you know, Swedish movie that no one else has seen, you've been dying to talk about with somebody, or you just want to listen to some engagement about it. Here you go. Boom. Yeah, uh, and we will be talking about international. We'll be pulling from all sorts of different countries. We have yes. like German films lined up, French cinema, Iranian films. Yes. As much, you know, Israeli films. A we, good, healthy variety. And this is Mexican, so there's mm-hmm. much more to come. Um, this is, I think it's okay to say this is our pilot. Yes, this is our pilot. Um, so, you know, we'll be sorting things out a little bit. Um, As any other things will develop. Yeah, you know, please, you know, like, join us in our journey of, like, figuring this out. I hope it's been fun. Yes, and uh, I'm Kevin. I'm Michael. And thank you for listening. Jazz music? <laughs>